Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to The Real Science Exchange, the podcast where leading scientists and industry professionals meet over a few drinks to discuss the latest ideas and trends in animal nutrition. Hi, I'm Scott Sorrell. I'll be your host here for The Real Science Exchange, and together we're going to gather for a fan favorite, and that's a journal club with Dr. Bill Weiss. Um, I'd like to also welcome um, my co-host, Dr. Clay Zimmerman. Welcome back. Thanks, Scott. Good to be here. I've got a hard cider here in, in my uh, in my cup uh, this evening. Uh, Scott, what are you drinking? Well, we I need to find out from Bill first. I am drinking a Smittics red ale. A red ale. Very malty beer. Tastes uh-huh. very good. So. All right. So, imported directly from Ireland. So. Yeah. yeah, so Clay, to answer your question, I was on vacation last week down in Virginia Beach. i got two sons that are working down there. And I went to the Cavalier Hotel. Now, this hotel was built in 1927. At the time, it was really the only uh, hotel there on the beach. And it's really kind of um, opulent. It's, 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 it's gorgeous and kind of gives you a feel for being back in the 1920s, right? The Roaring Twenties uh, during Prohibition and all of that. And uh, as part of uh, their, their story, they've got a distillery in their basement um, because of, of prohibition. And they claim that, you know, there was a lot of uh, illicit drinking going on there during during those times. But a distillery is called the Tarnished Truth. And so I went on a, a, a distillery tour and did some uh, bourbon tasting and some moonshine tasting, which wasn't bad, by the way. But I picked up I picked up uh, something called Discretion, which is one of theirs. It's kind of a, a high wheat bill uh, bourbon and, and quite nice. And uh, so I'm having that tonight uh, in, in honor of my, uh, my vacation. So with that, gentlemen, looking forward to this journal club. Cheers. Tonight's PubCast stories are brought to you by Reassure Precision Release Choline. Reassure is the most researched encapsulated choline on the market today, consistently delivering results to your transition cows of higher peak milk reduced metabolic disorders, and even in utero benefits to her calf leading to growth and health improvements. Visit balchem.com to learn more. I'll be doing something a little bit different tonight. It's just going to be a three of us. And the paper is one that uh, we'll certainly have plenty of conversation around. So let's dive into the research titled Associations Between Days in the Close-Up Group and Milk Production, Transition Cow Diseases, Reproductive Performance, Culling and Behavior, and Calving, of Holstein dairy cows, and that was authored by uh, Ben Jacob et al. So, Dr. Weiss, uh, how in the world did you come about uh, selecting this one? Well, it's actually there's a, another paper there that's being it's in press right now, so it'll be coming out from the same group. Okay. And it addresses this again a question when I worked at the university in extension, I, I got very often, and that is. I have a pre-fresh, how long do cows have to stay in, in the pre-fresh group? And this, this study, which is, is quite large, it's a, a field study, but it's quite large, attempts to answer that and it, it, as to what's the optimal, uh, basically it's a range of, of days in, in pre-fresh. You know, it's, it's usually a much more expensive diet than the far-offs. Uh, you know, you have cow numbers, you have to work around and so on. So it is an important practical question. Some farms, because of, again, this calving times, 
they're going to have to shorten up the period. What's that going to cost if they go too short? Other times they miss a, a breeding cycle or something. These cows are stuck in there much longer. And it is that detrimental. So I think it's a, a very important practical question that the, these papers addressed. I guess I'm a, a bit surprised. I <clears throat> Ever since I've been in the industry, it's been 21 days. And uh, so I'd assume there's been lots of research to establish that. And so, uh, so how, how did they, how was the first 21 days established? It, if you look there, there's been a little bit, but, um, you know, not to the extent where it usually was short and long, you know, maybe a week versus three weeks or so. Some of it, I think, has just to do with management. And, and you start looking at pen sizes and all, and on a typical farm, you you know, with 21 days, it gave about the right size pens. I think it was, it ended up being pretty close to the right number based on this study, but I think it was kind of an arbitrary <laughs> Not quite arbitrary, but uh, a little bit arbitrary of a guess. Ah, interesting. And I guess, too, you know, originally, if you look at pre-fresh, it wasn't to feed anionic sauce. That came later. It was just what we call steam up the cows, adapt yeah. the rumen. And a lot of people thought to adapt this rumen, three weeks was about the right amount of time. And what we know now is that's actually a very minor benefit of a pre-fresh is to adapt the room and it's the, the anionic salts and other additives are the, the reason to have a pre-fresh. Mm, makes sense. So Bill, why don't you, why don't you tell us about the hypothesis for this paper? Okay. It's actually very straightforward and it's just they hypothesize that if the pre-fresh period cows were in there too short, it was detrimental to health and future productions. And if they were in there too long, it was detrimental to health and production. And they didn't find, define that because that was kind of defined from the data they had. And they went to uh, 18 farms, large farms in Germany. They averaged about 1,100 cows. So it's a, a huge study. 18 farms is a really, really big study. Uh, all Holsteins. Uh, average production was around, average 305 day production was around 22,000 pounds. So a little bit less than US standards, but still good production. And the only, they had to have, um, they, the requirements to be in this study is they had to have a prefresh. They did not set a time. They could have, you know, they didn't say you have to shoot for 21 days or whatever. They just said you have to have a prefresh. They wanted to limit it to just farms that had anionic diets. So all the prefresh diets have varying degrees of anionic diets. And they had to have certain record keeping systems so that they could get, get all this data they needed. I had to be on DHI, had to do something like dairy comp to, again, just to get the data. All right, good. So I, I wanted to circle back real quick, Bill, on uh, kind of the protocol. I was curious if they intentionally uh, also looked at getting herds that had different uh, uh, lengths of prefresh groups. They, they didn't explicitly say that, but they, they do have a nice figure in there with a histogram of all the, all the lengths of, of prefreshes that, that were in this study. And it's a wide range. It goes from one day in the prefresh, which obviously was a mistake. They missed that cow up to 42 days. And, and they actually, there's day, there's cows that had more than 42 days, but they said that's, that's an extreme. They stopped at 42 days. And they also said anything less than one or I think it's less than two days in there, those cows got thrown out but it's a huge, most of them would be between seven 
one week and four weeks. So a very good uh, distribution of data here. Okay. And far like most farms, cows only move once a week. So you're always going to have, they might've shot for 21 days, but just because of once a day, you know, they're going to be plus or minus three or four days. And the means um, were again, about what uh, for, for cows. And I should mention, I forgot that heifers were included in this. So heifers went through the, the pre-fresh as well. And then they followed those guys. And the mean mean days in the pre-fresh for cows was 18 days, so very close to the, the three weeks that are recommended. Heifers were only in there on an average of about two weeks, and they, they didn't explain why that was. Again, it would be a farmer decision. It wasn't the investigators, and it might be the farmers only wanted heifers in there a shorter period of time, they don't, they, but they don't address that. And, you know, long ago, there was a study out of Michigan State, I can't recall the authors, uh, but they looked at uh, heifers and with anionic softs, and it was detrimental for those guys. It was actually, they increased ketosis and other things. Data since then has, has not been as negative. In other words, heifers don't seem to be as adversely affected by DCAD as that first study. So it might be these, the, the producers said, you know, Heifers don't have hypocalcemia issues, so maybe let's let's put them in shorter. But it is a shorter for the heifers. And were these all uh, German dairies? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And you know, if if you look at the diets, the pre-fresh diets, they look they don't give a lot of detail, but very very typical U.S. diets. They had. Um, Proteins, crude proteins were, most of them were between about 12 and 14, 15%. So pretty typical. Starches, right around 20%. Again, very typical. Fibers, the low looks like it's about a 33%. The high is 47. So again, and, and a, lot of, a lot of range here, which is good for these types of study. But again, on average, very typical to U.S. U.S. Um, diets, DCADs, these were not extremely aggressive in DCAD. Uh, one was, and these are per kilo, uh, one was minus four, the highest was minus 200, but most of them probably, of these 18 herds, probably 15 of them are less than about 60, my, minus 60. So, you know, what well, we would consider moderate decad, not extreme decad. Again, they, they looked at production, future pro production after they calved, and then that, which is the bulk of this paper. And then they also though, looked at, at health, health effects. And, you know, with prefresh, the, at least in my opinion, the main goal of prefresh is to prevent health problems. Prevent health problems, you get the milk, and so it's it's important. You know, a good thing about these papers is they do spend quite a bit of time on on at least clinical disease. They they did not do a lot of, of subclinical uh, diagnoses. And what period of time did they look at milk? Bill, was that uh, it, it, full lactation? No, it would have been they usually on first what they call first test milk. So let's say first two, two to three weeks, something like that. I think they might have done more on some herds, but I think most of it was, say, let's say the, the fresh period, first three, four weeks or something like that. Okay.
what they found basically in a nutshell is too short is bad and too long is bad. And it's, it was, and, and I should also say it differed between heifers and cows. The effect of duration differed between heifers and cows. In uh, heifers, the longer they were in there, in the pre-fresh, the more milk they got, first test. And again, you think it's not calcium metabolism because heifers don't have that big of a problem with, with calcium. So they, they hypothesized is maybe, you know, these, the pre-fresh diets probably were a little higher in crude protein than far offs. So maybe that, that extra nutrients for a longer period of time helped the heifers. Uh, they, uh, a limitation or a, a limitation of this paper is they don't show me the far off diets. So I don't, they just said they met NASM or NRC requirements. So let's say they were 12%, but I don't know. But heifers more than the 14 days was beneficial. For cows, um, it, it was quadratic. And there was, with, with heifers, it was linear. The longer they were in there, the better. There was no, with cows, it was quadratic. Short was bad, long was bad. Um, this could be health-related, calcium. Um, it could be, again, you wouldn't think so much on nutrient supply, but it could be. In the, in the short ones, it could be a nutrient supply. And the long ones, you know, if, if these pre-fresh diets had more energy, they might be getting fat. And that's or increasing body condition, and that we know is detrimental. So I, I can't give you the actual mode of action, but again, based on production, less than a week were bad, more than about four weeks were bad. There is 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 a, a range in there. There is an A day that works, but less than a week, and they may even said less than, than uh, 10 days, and there was bad, more than about four weeks were bad. Then, um, some other things they found, which some is I would expect, some I was was a bit of a surprise. On health, short, in both heifers and cows, that they were in there less than a week, it was a risk factor for retained placenta, and that to me makes sense. It's going to be for cows seven days probably isn't enough to moderate calcium metabolism. We know hypocalcemia is a risk factor for retained placenta. I assume they don't provide the, the details on this, but you know, generally pre-fresh diets are a little stoked up in vitamins and minerals, selenium, vitamin E, especially those reduce uh, retained placenta. So it might be um, related to immune function. It might be related to calcium, but short, short pre-fresh periods, increased RPs retain placentas. And again, that's cows and heifers. And it was quite substantial. I think, given it wasn't just a small effect. It was um, basically if they were in there seven days or less, they had an average RP rate of 9%. At 14 days, it was, this is for, for heifers. For at 14, 21, 28 days, it was about three and a half percent. So, you know, threefold increase for heifers 
For cows, 15% if they were in there seven days or less. And then it bounced around seven eight percent if they were in there longer. So you know, this is not, that's not a small amount, very big. And again, it may be calcium, it may be uh, vitamins and minerals, or it may be both. So short was, they, they identified for cows, short was clearly worse than long. So if you got to make a mistake, leave them in there, move them a little bit early rather than waiting, waiting a bit. Um, and what was a bit surprising to me, with, even though what I just said was on clinical hypocalcemia, not subclinical, and clinical was defined, they treated cows with calcium and they got better. That's their definition. That, that, that prevalence was lowest at two weeks. In other words, it wasn't, you know, seven days wasn't the worst, even though that was the worst for retained placenta and metritis as well. But 14 days, less than 14, the, the best, sorry, the least amount of clinical milk fever happened if cows were in there two weeks. Whereas, again, you'd think with the other diseases, the worst would be right. different. Um, and then it increased, uh, with like day, more days in there, hypo clinical hypocalcemia, the risk increased, which again, I would think it would be kind of flat. I can see it not getting better, but I would have thought it would be kind of flat because it, it, you know, when you look at calcium metabolism, two weeks is probably enough for these cows to physiologically react to decad. And so I sit there and when I read these things and I, when I say, well, this isn't what I expect, then I try to figure out why. And, you know, DCAD by definition basically puts these cows in negative calcium balance. That's, that's how they work. And so, so maybe if they're in there four or five, five weeks, they're becoming depleted in calcium. And that would be an increase their, their chances of a calcium deficiency. That's just supposition. But so again, for uh, milk fever, which is a lot of people put it in, long is worse than short. For retained placenta, just the opposite. So 14 and 21 days, there wasn't. Um, I'll give you the, the results here if I can find them. On clinic, and again, I keep saying clinical. This is not subclinical. At short, short uh, seven days, it was about 3%. Uh, then it decreased to about two and a half percent. And then it, uh, so there wasn't much difference between seven and 14 days in a pre-fresh, but by 35 days, it was up to 6%. So it, it doubled Again, long as is bad 28 days or 21 days, which is kind of, again, the standard, it was higher, but only three and a half percent. So it wasn't going to, to three weeks, wasn't terrible, but shorter was better for for uh, hypocalcemia clinical. Um, if you look at other diseases, um, metritis high with short periods, which again fits the, the calcium, high, subclinical calcium, it also could fit vitamin E and selenium, maybe some other vitamins. 21 days was gave you the least amount of metritis. Uh, ketosis, this was subclinical ketosis, uh, standard, I think it was 1200, higher than 1200. 
um, it was best at three weeks. So again, it, this three week thing keeps coming up in most situations. Um, and milk production, as I mentioned, it was best on for about the, the, the three weeks gave, gave the best milk production. Cows, if on cow effects, um, the maximum again, maximum production was 21 days. So it's pretty flat between, you know, 15, 16 days and 25 days. So again, if you move once a week, shoot for three weeks, you're going to, you're, you're going to do fine. Um, but I, I look at this date and say, if, you know, if, if calcium metabolism is an issue on a farm, you might lean toward shorter, you know, go more toward the two week than, than three weeks. Cause you know, you're going to miss, you're going to miss some cows. If these other issues like mastitis, metritis, RPs, then shoot for the, the three weeks. And, and so that's how I would make that, that decision as to where to where to go definitely don't be less than a week or try to avoid being less than a week try to avoid being more than 35 days that's that's when things really really crash do you have any idea what the you know what the dietary uh, mineral levels were in these diets no they, they don't they give me the ash which doesn't tell me much but no they they get very little um, other than the protein, fiber, and, and starch, and decay. Very little details on this, other than they do say formulated to meet nasum uh, nasum requirements. But again, I don't know. And and you know, for decads, especially at these pretty modest decads, um, calcium dietary calcium doesn't seem to be a big big factor in much. But maybe for 35 days or 40 days, it becomes a bigger factor. You know, the, the studies that are done uh, looking at calcium and decad is three right. weeks since they, they've put them in there for three weeks. So, so Bill, what are your thoughts, you know, related to the, the higher somatic cell score and, you know, the cows that were in the close-up pen longer? What, uh, what, what do you think's going yeah, on that, there? That, that, <laughs> That kind of messes up my vitamin <laughs> E selenium theory. <laughs> First, it wasn't a huge effect. I mean, right. That was not a huge yeah. effect. But, you know, it can be if, if these diets were higher in energy uh, than, than the far offs, they are gaining condition that can suppress immune function. Uh, BHB, high BHBAs are related to reduced immune cell function. That could be it. Um, it could be a, a hypocalcemia, high, 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 subclinical hypocalcemia has been shown to reduce the function of some of these immune cells, neutrophils and so on. So it could be something along those lines, but I, I really don't know. But it wasn't, it was positive or it was a negative effect, but it was not a huge increase in right. mastitis or cell score. I did forget to mention on, on the decad, I had this wrote down as my, my first thing here, was the, the urine pHs were around 6.6. So again, they're, they're acidified, not terrible. I think it's a, a, a moderate uh, decad. So if, if they were stronger in decad, you know, the, this effect of time may, might be worse. That's again, my, my hypothesis. 
But then on the other hand, it might be on the shorter ones might be less negative, have less negative effects if it was a stronger DCAT. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't extrapolate this too far much if you've got very, very low urine pH. Yeah, yeah. Some of these were barely negative, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they, they didn't show a histogram of the urine pHs. It's just the mean. So again, some of these... Uh, a, a decat of zero is still going to de depress urine pH. You won't get anywhere near you know, the, the six, but it is going to depress it, but I don't know how much. If you look at the starch composition of these diets, there is quite a range in starches here. The low I can see here is about 12%. The high is about 27%. Something so huge range. Yeah. And I'd, I'd wonder, you know, the, the old theory of using pre-fresh to steam up cows would be the 25% the starch pre-freshes. Right. The, all, all the new data says, you know, you actually higher starch is, is detrimental, or most of the data say higher starch. And so some of these might be following that, that approach where starches are in the, the high teens. And then the steam up approach, that would be the the 26 that's my guess would be it's the opinion of the nutritionist as to which is which is a bigger benefit and again the other thing we don't know the details on the farm it might be this is what they had they might have to right. feed a ton of corn silage so it's going to be higher in stars so you don't know but it is a, a huge range I, i'd be surprised in the u.s if we went out and surveyed 18 farms, you'd find this big of a range. I'd be surprised, but right. you might. Yeah, Bill, I was going to kind of change directions a little bit. I was intrigued by your comments or the findings that heifers tended to perform better with a little bit longer uh, pre-fresh period. And I'm, I'm wondering if those findings were, were great enough that we ought to consider doing anything different with heifers uh, pre-fresh. They, they, they were, to me, enough to... Because again, the cost isn't that great. I mean, the pre-fresh diet because of DCAD is going to cost more than a far-off thing. But the heifers don't eat that much, and we're talking probably seven days longer. Uh, and I think it would be worthwhile. Or again, what I'm a little bit hedging here because I don't know the far-offs. You know, it might be they were just not fed enough in the far-offs. But to me, this, this data was compelling enough at least to say, uh, put heifers in for this, the same period as a, dry, as a cow, three weeks, rather than what these producers chose to do is, again, about a two-week period. So if in the U.S. and, and or elsewhere, if you, if you move them all the same, three weeks, I think you're, that, that would be the advice I'd give rather than having short ones for the heifers and three weeks for the cows. And I say, you know, the, the other thing I used to get questions again is, is do heifers need pre-fresh? Do, do heifers need anionic salts? The answer is probably not. But on simplicity, <laughs> again, it's, it's just sometimes you just do things so it's probably not going to be negative. It's not going to hurt. And it might just make things easier. It gets, it gets these heifers. A lot of farms aren't big enough. They're going to have to co-mangle heifers and dry cows. They're less aggressive. Usually these pens are not crowded. And it might just be beneficial, you know, for the, there, there may be some benefits for this. 
And I, I guess, as I just said that, that might be one of the reasons heifers did better if they were in there longer and they just socially adapted, mm -hmm. which you know, they made yeah. no measurements about that, but it might be nothing to do with nutrition. It might just be have been better environments in general for those heifers from where they were coming from. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Bill, one question you have for a lot of your <clears throat> authors is, you know, what's the next step? And so our authors are not here today. So if, if, if you were the researchers, what, what do you think the next steps would be? Well, I look again, I think this is the, the time is, is fits the, what, what's done and fits the, the management of a lot of herds. So I think that's a good, that the three weeks is a good, good thing. Um, you know, there are, are herds in the U.S. and elsewhere that they, they do not have facilities where they can have two groups. They just, they don't. So they have a one group dry cow. A lot of these farms still have, have calcium issues. So could a study, and there's been at least one I'm familiar of, but what about let's go the whole full Monty here and go a, a full dry period with decaf heifers included. And the, the studies I've seen have been using the cows and they weren't detrimental to cows. But would, uh, would it just because they can't manage or have the facilities for two groups, can I feed DCAD heifers for the whole 50 days or so? That I'd look at and I, it intrigues me on mode of action. That, that won't help producers much, but it does help science and figure things out is why the, some of this just the, the short period on, on RPs again makes sense, but then the mastitis one doesn't make sense. One of the, one of those don't mesh. So what's is there is there going on? What's going on there? And then this I wish I would measure uh, um, subclinical hypocalcemia. They they didn't take blood samples, but that would be a to look at this with with what we know now about the value of blood blood samples and how to how to the protocol is to take the number of days to measure and all this stuff so look at that do these long long uh pre-fresh periods increase prevalence of uh, hypo subclinical and you know the transient and they, there's different words for these things but which are the risk factors for the, all these other diseases so I would add, I'd like to add something like that to this study, but I don't think we need a, a lot of more work on on the 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 right amount of days in there. I think this answered it pretty well that we happen to pick the right day, and that's about three weeks. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess again, it's risk. We don't know when cows are going to calve. Uh, even if we have perfect breeding data, we still don't know. And this allows you to pick your your error. You know, is it, do I want to be a little short? In other words, maybe move a cow in a week, uh, a week later than I normally would, or a little bit early, uh, depending on problems you you are experiencing on your on your farm. So, so Bill, it you know, in, in this in this study, were the cows, the cows that were either you know in there for a short period of time or a longer period of time was that done by design or was it all no, retrospective no. it was all retrospective so uh, you know the farm they could have missed the cows can just cap late you know gestation lengths are plus or minus they could have missed a breeding cycle um had the wrong uh, breeding date in there 
Um, they, they could have just said this cow needs condition or something and move it on, but that was not, it was retrospective. The, the producer made the decision to move cows. Do you know, uh, was it in the data set uh, as far as twinning and so forth, you know, especially for some of these short days in the close-up pen? That I think, and I'm pretty sure they excluded twins. Okay. So cow, cow, I'm almost positive that was in there. Um, and then they excluded ones that were obviously way, way long. That just wasn't, what didn't fit. And right. I, again, if they were only in there a day or two, they, those got excluded. I didn't give you the number of cows. There's 13,000 cows in this data set. Uh, about a third of those are heifers. So this is not, and, and again, 18 farms. So this is a huge data set. So I think we can take the conclusions pretty, pretty much to heart. The cows that were in this head gestation length, yeah, it, they were between 262 and 292 days. And I forgot to mention, they did a lot of fancy statistics, which we won't get into, but gestation length was a covariate. Because sometimes if, if they get calf, uh, if the calving is delayed for whatever reason, you get a big calf and you have increased health problems. So they corrected for that independent of, of days in the pre-fresh. So they did try to correct for just the natural, for these uh, either premature births or um, um, just long, long gestation periods for whatever reason, which I think helped help reach these, these in conclusions. I think that was an important thing to do. All right. As we get, uh, get close to wrapping this up, any, any other big, big things we need to share? Pre-fresh for health, I guess that's still the big, big thing in production will follow. So again, depending on if you have just no specific health problems, this data would say shoot for three weeks, uh, plus or minus a little bit, but shoot for three weeks. But again, if you have, if, if hypocalcemia is an issue, you would want to move. If you're moving in once a week, you'd probably want to delay a little bit so the average time in pen is less if that's the, the major health issue. So uh, one size doesn't fit all depending on what your what the herd specific problem is. Clay, that was a great summary. You have anything to add to that? Tonight's last call question is brought to you by NitroSure Precision Release Nitrogen. NitroSure delivers a complete TMR for the rumen microbiome, helping you feed the microbes that feed your cows. To learn more about maximizing microbial protein output while reducing your carbon footprint, visit balcom.com slash nitrosure. I want to congratulate Bill on picking another great paper here. Certainly a really great topic. There's a lot of interest around this. Um, may, maybe the other thing, you know, just to summarize again, and Bill had hit on this earlier, um, you know, the, these nulliparous animals that are coming in here, we want to make sure we don't, we certainly don't want to short them. Yeah, the, the more we learn about heifers, our first lactation, they're not just little cows. Right. Um, they are different. And, and a lot of studies in the past, I did the same thing. We just would block by parity and forget about the effect. Remove it statistically and forget about it. But more and more papers have enough uh, first lactation animals, and now they can start looking at dietary responses or management responses 
and a lot of things are very different between those two types of animals. Have any other thoughts to share? They did look at culling, early early lactation culling. Uh, they said 60-day culling in the first 60 days. Again, these, these cows that had short time in the period, less than seven days, had a greatly increased risk to get culled the first two months. So again, that's telling you, you know, pay attention to, to, to breeding dates and try and get these cows in there at least two weeks. Um, and then, and the other thing on they one other thing on reproduction days in the pre-fresh had no effects on stillbirths, uh, or they did have calf weights, but no, no effect on stillbirth. So in general, most of the effects of the days in pre-fresh were health related and a little, and you don't know if the production responses could have been because of, of better health, but they did often get better production if they were around that three-week pre-fresh period. So they reported involuntary culling. Did they happen to report death loss? I did not see that. So the other thing they, re they reported um, in the Paris cows was the longer they were in the close-up pen, the the fat to protein ratio in the milk varied. It, it yeah. increased, right, yeah. with longer days in the close-up yeah. pen. You have any speculation on that, Bill? It seems like that means these cows are gaining condition, yeah. getting fat, then they calve, they don't eat. We know that if generally if higher conditions mean lower intakes, mobilization gets dumped into the milk. So that would be my, again, they, they may have had, um, if these these diets were too high in energy for a couple of weeks it doesn't matter but as it longer and longer then condition goes up and then that drop in intake that happens around calving tends to be worse which again causes mobilization that increases the, fa the fat it's it's not it's coming from mobilized body conditions why these you get these very high fat to protein ratios, which you usually you like, but in fresh cows, it usually means there's some, some issues. Yeah. Maybe especially on the 26% uh, starch yeah, pre-fresh. Exactly. Diet. Yeah. And they, and they did not break these down and uh, look, and they probably didn't have enough data, but they didn't try to correlate dietary factors to any of these responses, but that right. would be a neat, neat thing to do. Clay, why don't you put a bow on it uh, from your perspective? for us? Well, I think we've had it right all along. And just further confirmation that this, you know, this 21 day um, close up um, period um, it is the optimal here. And uh, we, we, we want to avoid the extremes here, right? We don't want the really short days. Uh, certainly, certainly seven days or less was was detrimental. Um, uh, from a practical standpoint, you know, if we know a cow's carrying twins, we, you know, we need to take that into account when we're being, when we're putting them into the close-up pen, and um, and uh, uh, certainly in 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 the mature cows, we want to avoid really excessively long days in close-up. Yeah, I, I should mention also, just because of the data. Um, the heifers, the heifers may suffer from really long days too, but they just didn't have as many, they didn't go as long as the cows. 
So, you know, I won't say the data says very long wasn't bad for heifers, but they didn't have a lot of very long periods in, in the heifers. So they might be bad for them as well. But it, I, I, again, it fits that the three week thing fits very, very good for both, both types of animals. All right. Thank you for joining us here again for uh, another very good journal club. They're always good, but this this one is at the top of the list. To our loyal listeners, I want to thank you uh, for coming along again just to spend some time with us here. Uh, we hope you learned something. We hope you had fun, and we hope to see you next time here at the Real Science Exchange where it's always happy hour and you're always among friends. We'd love to hear your comments or ideas for topics and guests. So please reach out via email to anh.marketing at valchem.com with any suggestions, and we'll work hard to add them to the schedule. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on your way out. You can request your Real Science Exchange t-shirt in just a few easy steps. Just like or subscribe to the Real Science Exchange and send us a screenshot along with your address and t-shirt size to anh.marketing at valchem.com. Balchem's Real Science Lecture Series of Webinars continues with ruminant-focused topics on the first Tuesday of every month, monogastric-focused topics on the second Tuesday of each month, and quarterly topics for the companion animal segment. Visit balchem.com slash realscience to see the latest schedule and to register for upcoming webinars.